You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. So Roger, 2008, was a very, very good year for film fans. We just recovered from watching Iron Man with the exceptional Robert Downey Jr. A month later, we were treated to part two of the Chris Nolan trilogy, The Dark Knight, with the exceptional Heath Ledger. Let's watch the trailer again. You've changed things. Forever. There's no going back. See, to them, you're just a freak. Like me. What do we got? Nothing. No name, no other alias. Clothing is custom. Nothing in his pockets but knives and lint. Evening, Commissioner. Why so serious? Where is he? People are dying. What would you have me do? Endure. You can be the outcast. You can make the choice that no one else will face. The right choice. Gotham needs you. A little fight in you. I like that. Then you're gonna love me. Now that's more like it, Mr. Wayne. So, Roger, <laughs> did you go out to the cinema in 2008? Um, I We did, definitely. And we have not watched this film again until last night since 2008, even though thoroughly wow. enjoyed it, thinking, as you say, one of the best films of all time, uh, one of the best superhero films of all time. And actually, what I do like about the Dark Knight series is that it's not overly sort of... Um, embroiled within the DC universe, I think sometimes some of the some of the Marvel films are so interlinked now that you really cannot watch one on its own. Whereas I think that certainly at this stage, the Dark Knight films definitely stood alone. But I, when I rewatched it last night, the things that really struck me 
Heath Ledger's just unbelievable performance. Unbelievable performance. He was so convincing, so scary, but so engaging at the same time. But I, I ha- probably had forgotten just how quite dark the whole things were. I mean, I, I, The Dark Knight, obviously. But, you know, you compare it to the 1960s, almost camp TV series with um, Adam West and uh, etc. at the time, and even if you compare it to the films of the eighties, the, the the Michael Keaton ones, they were I thought at the time quite a lot darker than the TV series. But this took it really to another level, and a stunning combination of cinematography, great acting, the pace, the pace is just relentless isn't it you know i often complain about two and a half hour movies and just not having the material to to keep um keep it going but this just never stops and the editing and some of the scenes you know are very short and it just keeps it going so just about everything about this is just the complete package and what's interesting is i have many friends who would not choose to go and see a superhero movie at all. Mm. That's not, that wouldn't be their thing, who went to see that movie. Mm. And they celebrated, you know, the work that, as you mentioned a moment ago, I think it was interesting how they felt, well, because it was Chris Nolan, because it was Kristen Bale, Heath Ledger, and all the others, um, that it was almost like it would legitimize them going to see a movie that they would not only choose. And I can assure you that they'd be the kind of people that would not go and see a Marvel movie, but they went to see that one, which I think is to its credit. Yeah, and, you know, you just introduced Dave Bierce and his storytelling uh, creativity. And I talked about the podcast where he was using parables from the Bible and that sort of thing. Again, what really struck me watching this again was the Heath Ledger scenes. He he actually tells a few stories, doesn't he? Within the film, there's one scene which is really quite powerful where he's talking about his father. And, you know, he tells this story totally in character. But his storytelling technique in character is just astonishing. And I'm thinking, I actually want this guy to tell me more stories as the Joker. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And and in a way, I would go as far as saying that it did inspire some of the animated series where they, where they took the character, mm. which was obviously voiced by Mark Hamill uh, in this idea of the kind of storytelling and trying to be the center of attention uh, through that, that particular talent. And But this movie, uh, I mean, I couldn't wait to buy it on DVD and Blu-ray and be part of, of the collection. But once again, through your own research, made me almost wish, as I've said many times on film marketing, oh, if only we lived in the US because the marketing campaign was just second to none. Absolutely. Now, obviously, they did the usual poster. And they did the usual trailer. And, you know, a few weeks ago, we marveled. You know, no pun intended there. We marveled at the simplicity <laughs> of the, the poster for Misery. And and I actually quite like the poster for this. It, again, it's simple. It's just got Batman stood there. In the background, there's a building, and the building's on fire, but the fire is, is actually the shape of the Batman motif. So lots to be said there about the simplicity of the poster. But, yeah, you're absolutely right, Pascal. I hadn't actually quite realised the depth of the online viral campaign that they created for this film and all the myriad of websites that they set up to encourage the fans 
the comic fans, the superhero fans, to actually go online and effectively decipher all these clues, find different locations, find, you know, character profiles, find out about the Joker and all of that sort of thing. It was an incredible, it's, it's probably one of the most famous viral marketing campaigns that's ever been created but the depth of it is incredible and 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 i suppose that the genius thing was here that they genuinely targeted the comic fans didn't they i mean they went after comic-con which was you know it's a huge um, convention that took place in, in in san diego but they targeted those fans and built upon the obsession of those fans and just genuinely created something which just went massive you're absolutely right they really did their segmentation really well Mm. so yes if you're not a fan and you'll go because of the poster and trailer you are group number one let's say but group two three four five were clearly identified for me the other thing that is impressive this was a year-long campaign Mm. now most campaigns you and i've spoken about sometimes they are a few weeks a few months and that's challenge in itself others are uh, but this is a year-long campaign of sustaining the, the the goodwill and the the excitement of the fans and they went where the fans were so comic-con is mentioned but back to this idea of you know oh i'm very jealous i wish i lived in the u.s so it began a year to 15 months before the movie was released where one of the pr agencies were by accident and doing the inverted commas there uh, for those listening to the podcast were dropping um, play cards with, with the, the jokers um, kind of uh, drawings and the ha 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 you know kind of <laughs> laughter written by hand and little and they would literally put them inside batman um, comic books and so on they did all sort of things like this to the point where eventually back to the website I mentioned people were asked to choose they're going to be team batman they're going to be team the joker and that went on for quite some time when people were able to follow clues and they had some elements of 10 Cloverfield Lane, but this took it to the next level in terms of the, the gaming element into the real world. They even organized a real election campaign <laughs> I know, for I know. Harvey Kent and people were asked to vote for a fictional character. That's what they ended up being obviously in the movie in the end. Well, I mean, the fact that they created <laughs> an actual website for the Gotham Times, you know, with proper articles, photographs, making it look like a proper newspaper website. But you're right, the fact that they allowed you almost to vote for this district attorney, it, it was it was it be, it became a way of pulling people into the movie and making them feel part of the experience. And and, and again, I I hadn't realised any of this had happened until we did the research for this episode. And and it's yeah, I, I don't think it's been surpassed since. Obviously, you've, you mentioned Cloverfield Lane. We've talked about that before, but the amount of work that went into this, and as you say, over a sustained amount of time is is really quite astonishing and you know absolutely succeeded and it's become one of the biggest films of all time but just the creativity that went in, into this is is actually astounding for for me the 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 uh, difference uh, with Tim Cloverfield, which is in itself a fantastic. If you have not listened to this um, episode, please do seek it out in our channels because you will hear some amazing stuff they've done. But this is different because people were almost contributing to the storytelling. So they were voting for this character, Harvey Dent, I think it was yeah. called, yeah. Um, played by Aaron Eckhart. They could discover 
hints left by the Joker himself. Mm. And they could go online, they could um, race down to shops and bowling alley and so on and find gifts. Some of them were lucky enough to even find a birthday cake where there was a number they could ring. And when they rang the number, the cake was ringing because a, a phone had been hidden by the Joker, allegedly, inside the birthday cake. And you had all this stuff. And of course, you can imagine when people were taking pictures and putting it on social media, how viral that went. And apparently, overall, there was something like 10 million players worldwide involved in all of these online games and campaigns. I mean, that is incredible, isn't it, Pascal? Now, one thing I did want to say, and and, and this is almost the tribute to the actor himself, Heath Ledger sadly passed away very soon after they wrapped the filming of the film. And in fact, he, he, he passed away before the film was released. And of course, they had obviously had to slightly change their approach to the marketing. But I guess that sad, that sad death of Heath, Heath Ledger actually also added to the virility of the marketing campaign, didn't it? It was a sad thing to happen, but I think it also boosted the campaign as well. People got the sense that we were losing an exceptional actor because he'd done other films before. I mean, I know that the financiers were worried about, oh, this is a guy that was in Brockbank Mountain, now becoming the Joker, will the audience? And I think, frankly, to the financiers and others, give us more credit. Yeah. As an audience, we can tell when someone has talent and we can navigate amongst different worlds You know, they would be inhabiting. Um, so I think you're right. It felt a very special movie in so many different ways. I think it really worked in the direction of creating a, a masterpiece. I would argue that they were still surprised by the immense success. And back to the marketing campaign, it won awards at the um, Cannes Lion, which is the kind of advertising and marketing uh, film festival of sort. And back to this idea of choosing your team between Batman or the Joker the Batman uh, supporters were rewarded by being uh, able to assist live to the projection of the bat symbol yeah. onto buildings in New York and other, other places as well. So that playfulness and that kind of complicity with the audience carried over. Some people were suggesting online again that they could recognize elements in a movie that they had a feeling they had contributed to through the, through the <laughs> gaming, including some of the uh, bad guys and hunchmen and women that were supporting the Joker. They said, I'm sure I've seen that guy on the website that he's now fighting alongside Heath Ledger. Yeah, I mean, um, such a good way to engage. Let's face it, they engaged the geeks, didn't they? That, you know, no beating about the bush, they engaged the geeks and and... To a certain extent, you know, the general public who just want to go along and see a decent film probably wouldn't have been interested in this campaign as well. But the fact that 10 million people were engaged was enough to make it as big as it was. One of the things I did want to point out, and it's not so much a marketing thing, it's just an observation, is obviously this film was uh, a, Chris, um, a Christopher Nolan film. Uh, more recently, uh, Tenet. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, Memento. And I said earlier that this the storytelling in this film was incredible, and the storytelling within the story um, by the Joker were incredible. But if you think about all the films that Christopher Nolan has made, this is one of the most linear storytelling films that he's ever done. It starts off, it goes through the beginning, middle, and end, 
Whereas most of his films do something weird with time, don't they? I mean, Memento had the film starting at the um, end mm. and going back to the beginning and jumping around. And, and even the first of the trilogy, Batman Begins, I think, if I remember rightly, had loads of different flashbacks to different times. And, of course, Tenet, well, crikey, I need still need to watch <laughs> Tenet a, a couple more times before I can understand what on earth is going on there. So this is actually a genuine you know, linear story from this great director. And what is interesting is in the context of the trilogy, this is act two. Yeah. And usually they tend to respect, you know, a particular rule. So act one and act three, you could almost do a, 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 something a bit different as a storyteller, but act two, yeah. you have to get the audience going. Um, back to your point about different campaigns for different audiences. Um, they all then came together with this phrase that people have been using forever, why so serious? Mm. And the fans discovered this phrase quite early on in cards, in landing pages, but they couldn't understand what it was, of course, mm. until mm. maybe the trailer and, and the film. But fans of the genre or just, you know, a kind of um, casual moviegoer, they all used it in memes and 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 more, um, and you have now countless images of Heath Ledger in the Joker kind of makeup and apparel with a phrase "Why so serious?" and what 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 a way also to kind of remind people that this is what storytelling is all about. You know, a moment of escapism takes you in a different time and space, so that you can you know, take away something very enjoyable. It's fantastic, and I will probably be watching the next film in the trilogy uh, pretty soon, <laughs> I have to say. Excellent. Well, listen, Roger, thank you so much for being such an amazing co-host and for your many selections and support today. All of you, please leave suggestions, comments, and more in the usual places. Until the next one, go out there and make sure your marketing is done right. I was Pascal Pintoni, and he was Roger Edwards. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates. 